Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. You can be seated. Wow, what a warm welcome. I'm, uh, oh my gosh, my computer's acting stupid. Can you figure that out? It was supposed to read me, and I think the lights were so bright that it flushed me out, and it can't recognize me. That's what happens when the glory comes on you. (laughs) Oh. Man, it's good to be back with you. Hands up those. I don't either. Close it and maybe when we reopen, I can give it my face and it'll do it. Adam knows. You got it. My help meet. Um... Hands up those that were not here last year when Tammy and I came through. You were not here. My God, over half of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to tell you, uh, I won't won't go into a big in-depth thing about it, but um, to kind of connect, I just want you to know we've we've known your pastor since he was a preteen that's been a minute we have known greg and shelly ferris since 1996 uh we knew pastor jacob since what 98 somewhere in there 98 i don't know so um we're all from the same town and um, it's crazy how God does that. Before we ended up in Dinuba, California, that nobody's ever heard of, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I didn't, we didn't even know Dinuba existed. And we rolled in one day to do two meetings for another church, a Sunday morning and a Sunday night, And Tammy and I wept when we left the city. And we said, we don't know what it is, but we'll be back here someday. And had no idea because I was traveling and ministering and I didn't know what God was doing. But, you know, you can kind of wander into, how many of you know nothing just happens? And uh, I think of Ruth when she was out gleaning in the fields and the Bible says she happened into Boaz's field. How many of you know nothing just happens? And we happened into the field of our dreams. And on the surface, it doesn't look like that because it's a little farm town. Back in those days, It had uh, 12,944 people. It has since doubled. We ran about 25,000 over these 26 years. 
Tammy and I had been in youth ministry for 13 years prior to that, and then you add the 26th, this January we celebrate 40 years of being in ministry. Now, the ironic thing is this next July we celebrate 40 years of being married. So we were in ministry prior, together, prior to getting married. That doesn't happen very often. But uh, we were engaged, and we were working with our junior high group and ministering there in the church. And then shortly after we got married, we were launching into full-time ministry. But um, in Dinuba... I have been tempted on many occasions, primarily in the first couple years, because when you're birthing and you're pioneering, you're rebuilding a work, it is hard. It's hard. And um, we faced unbelievable odds against us, bad-mouthing us, um, other pastors. I literally went to the uh, the ministers association, my first ministry time there, and I was excited to greet my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they were very kind until they found out what church I had come to pastor. And we went through the buffet line, and when I came back, everybody had scattered from the table and would not even sit by me. Hallelujah. You go into the grocery store and the girl at the counter says, what, what, your accent is, you know, oaky. <laughs> and where's that from? And we said, well, we're here from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we're pastoring a church. She goes, oh, what church are you pastoring? Living Word Fellowship. Oh, that church. That'll be $49.93. You know, it's like it was bad, y'all. And, uh, and it, it, it was just because of so many things, but we were so honored to, to go and to stick and not quit. And I think part of the success, people have wondered how we have been successful over this 26 years. And I just got to tell you, the number one ingredient, don't quit. You may go down, and the referee may be counting you down. But if you get back up and you don't quit, you're still in the fight. But if you stay down, how many of you know you're out? It's over. And uh, we are now the longest tenured pastors in the city. And uh, they told me when I arrived, uh, you won't make it a year. Because we don't want all that Copeland and Hagen and word of faith stuff and blah, 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 charismatic. And it was staunch Catholicism in the city. And it was also very staunch uh, mainline traditional churches. Very few spirit-filled churches, and those that were, were, you know, just struggling. 
And God put a dream in our heart, and we just said, we have a heart for revival. We're going to see God move in a mighty way. And we did, and we do, and we will, <laughs> because God's not done yet, right? And so, uh, so we're excited. Uh, now, a year ago, the invitation came for us to come through as I had overcome covid Many of you know my story, the fact that in 2020, in April of 2020, on April the 9th, the enemy tried to kill me and take me out. I was put on the ventilator for um, 14 days. I was on the vent. Ten of those days, I was, on, uh, I was in a coma and didn't know what was going on. Thank God for Mrs. Braveheart over here that knew how to do warfare in the heavenlies and believe God because I was alone in a hospital with a tube and a, and I still bear the scars of it, uh, and, and the, the, the ventilator keeping me alive. I was literally being kept alive by a machine. My liver had shut down. My kidneys had shut down. My... Um, Lungs had, of course, shut down, and my heart was beating so fast that they said, if, the, if COVID doesn't kill him, he's going to have a heart attack because he can't keep up. His lungs are filling up and, uh, because his kidneys won't drain and nothing is happening. And, and when they finally drain, they drain four liters of fluid, toxic fluid, off of my lungs. They drained four liters off of it all in about 10 minutes. And then they drained another two liters over the next hour or so. So six liters of, of fluid that I was drowning in. And uh, there were supernatural things that took place in that hospital room. Had a visitation from an angel for three nights that yelled and prophesied and declared to the point that uh, it, was, it was like God just shut this man up so I can get some rest. It was so bad and so good all at once. And, uh, and I struggled with my flesh. My flesh and my humanity were colliding. I wanted, uh, or my, my faith and my humanity were colliding. I wanted to believe, and I understood, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I thought this was it. And supernaturally, the Lord, when I was uh, taken out of my body and died, um, I was hovering up above and could look down and see my body below on the ventilator. And a voice came to me in a sweet, tender voice and said, It's okay, I've come to take you tonight. And up out of my spirit, because I know the voice, the Bible says, My sheep know my voice, and a stranger's voice they will not follow. And up out of my spirit, though I could not speak because I was still on the ventilator, out of my mouth, or out of my spirit, I uttered these words, that's not God. And immediately, like a vision, like a video, all the prophetic words, all the destiny, the visions I'd had, everything that God had ever said about my destiny played in front of me like a movie 
And I don't understand how that happens, but it was, you can imagine that it was just playing and like fast forwarding. And yet I was, I was retaining all of it and remembering all the visions and the things that God had given me. And up out of my spirit came, I'm not done. And immediately I was back in my body and that spirit of death left. And the next day, my liver started working, my kidneys started working, my lungs got better, my heart came into rhythm, and three days after that, uh, or four days after that, um, the doctor came in, my Hindu doctor, who told Tammy a week prior, he's not coming off of the ventilator, you need to understand, your husband is not going to make it. He has 24 to 48 hours, and he is not going to make it. There is no hope. And her words, just tell me what has to happen for him to come off the vent. I understand what you're saying. Those are facts. But tell me what has to happen for him to come off the vent, because she was believing in truth. And the truth of the word of the Lord that came to her and said, He will live and not die. And she had birthed my healing in the Spirit, but she needed to know how to pray. And, uh, and he told her and gave her a list. And just days later, that list started coming into fruition. And that same Hindu doctor looked at me at the foot of the bed and said, are you ready to come off that thing? And I can't talk, but I'm shaking my head. Yes, it hurt so bad. It felt like a quarter was stuck in my throat the whole time. And um, they pulled the vent. I still wasn't out of the woods, but because nobody had made it off the vent. You guys, in those early days, 89% of the people that went on the ventilator uh, from COVID never came off. And of the 11% that came off, only one in those 11 ever made it home. And you're looking at him. Hallelujah. My Hindu doctor now calls me the miracle man. He's got my book. I wrote a book. Uh, just briefly, I'll tell you that this is more than my biography of what happened and the details. It talks all about the supernatural, the things of God that happened, the, the Bible that appeared as a holographic uh, Bible in front of me and pages were flipping and God brought me to uh, Acts chapter 12 and like a highlight I could I can just see it still it was like a highlighter came and those words would jump off the page and the Lord told me you're just like Peter and began to show me some depths and prayer that have been a cornerstone for our lives ever since and on supplication and we taught a little bit about that yesterday and birthing things in the spirit and so this isn't just a biography y'all this is a this is this is a book that will help you lock into your destiny so that when the enemy comes after your destiny you can say i'm not done and and you can lock into that this is a book that will help you in your prayer life to birth supernatural things. There are certain 
things that uh, can only happen supernaturally. Hands up those that have ever needed a miracle in your life. The very essence of a miracle is I don't have an answer, nor do I have what the ability to fix it. I gotta, if, if God doesn't show up, I die. If God doesn't show up, I lose my house. If God doesn't show up, fill in the blank because you're desperate. Guess what? You're ripe for a miracle. But this book will help you bring the miracles into your own life and the things you need. Enough, this wasn't supposed to be about that. But um, we've got these, by the way, they're normally $18. We've got them for $15, no sales tax, flat $15. And above all, get those seven or six mugs that are over there. They're $10. I don't want to take them home. The clang and clatter and all that, those are our last ones. We, we bought a bunch of them a year ago, and those are the last ones. So drink up your coffee out of them. Hallelujah. I have a word from the Lord for you, and uh, it, is, it is deep, deep, deep in my spirit, and it was birthed in my spirit for your church um, the first Tuesday night of October. We were at prayer. We have uh, the first Tuesday of every month, we have a thing we call Prayer Command Center because it's doing warfare and uh, strategic prayer uh, that we gather for. And so we were at Prayer Command Center um, that night, and I had someone else leading that portion of prayer. And so I was off over to the side at the front of our sanctuary and um, the Lord dropped this in my spirit and said, this is for the equipping church. And said, they are pregnant with revival. And I didn't know until this morning, sitting here, just how pregnant you are. How many of you know when you're pregnant, you're pregnant, but when you're like ready to deliver... You ladies know what I'm talking about. Get this child out of me. Right? Heartburn. Uncomfortable. Can't get comfortable at night. <clears throat> All the stuff. And the husbands are saying, yes, please give birth. Because <laughs> you're not easy to live with right now. It's true. Come on, let's keep it real. But I got to tell you that I didn't know when we came just how pregnant you were until yesterday at prayer and then this morning in worship. Because the Holy Ghost spoke to me standing right over here during worship and said, your assignment is to break their water. time for the water to break and then a little bit of pushing and I believe you're going to birth revival in this house and in this region I know it when I see it because I was pregnant with it many many years ago in 1997 and it broke 
And prior to that, we were running, I would say, somewhere on a good Sunday, we had 40. And that, account, that counted the rats in the corner. That was anything breathing, right? And uh, we didn't have rats. I'm kidding. We had a couple. We got rid of them. Uh, I'm kidding. My wife... How do I step in and out of the anointing so easy? <laughs> Stay in it. <laughs> man, oh man, it was amazing because that week of meetings shifted the church, and from that moment on, we never dipped below 100 again. That was on a good Sunday. Most Sundays, 30, 32, 33. 37, wow, we're growing, right? And we were just, that's where we were. And after that week, oh my goodness, it was amazing. It was amazing. Because we walked in revival, a literal, consistent state of revival for more than two years. Any given service, shoot, we didn't even have to have a service. There were people showing up at the church building and they would walk in to the office and get drunk in the Holy Ghost and, and, and get deliverance and freedom. I mean, people were getting saved left and right. I was driving by, and I don't know why, but I'm here. What's going on? And we would get them saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, middle of the week at the office. Isn't Jesus good? And, uh, and I see that here. And I feel that here. And I'm going to give you the word that the Lord gave me. I'm going to try not to be long in the word this morning. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit has also given me for tonight just a couple of verses of Scripture that I'm going to share. And then we're going to break the water. And we're going to see an outpouring. And I believe potentially like which one of our boys came out with the water Kyle hallelujah broke Kyle's broke Tammy's water with my middle son Kyle and he came out with the water I mean it was like push uh, oh there he is I don't know if it's going to be that kind of a pregnancy and we break the water tonight and here comes the baby of revival. But I tell you, man, I'm excited for y'all. I am so excited. I'm jealous. I almost don't want to go home. Because I love revival. I'm a revivalist at heart. I've been one for many, many years. And you'll hear a little bit about that tonight. Isaiah 54, 1 through 3 is a prophetic text that is in reference to Israel coming home after many years of Babylonian captivity. This is the context. There were only 42,000 Jews that remained at the end of Babylonian captivity. Now, get that in contrast because when Moses led them out of Egypt, there were more than 2 million. 
So I, I, I need you to really, we hear numbers in this society so much that we don't equate, you know, the government has spent $83 billion and we just can't get our minds around that. But, oh, I'm sorry. I was just enjoying this <laughs> Holy Ghost music. You can be dismissed. I'm so sorry. I'm terrible. I feel like Nigel. He's He's bad. He gets our keyboard player up there and makes him stay the whole service. I'm so sorry. So, so get your mind around this for a minute before we read these verses. This is a nation with destiny on it. Prophetic destiny that had spoken into Abraham and said, Your sons and daughters will outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. Look up into the heavens and look at the stars. Can you count them? So shall your descendants be. And now we're in a period of time after captivity that it feels so dark like the word that God prophesied and spoke will never happen because we've dwindled from 2 million down to 42,000. That's it. That's smaller than your city for the whole nation. The nation that had the promise, the nation that had the hand of God, the nation that God said, you are Israel and out of you will come 12 tribes and changed a name from Jacob to Israel. Right? And, and God did all this all the way through the generations, and now they've come to a point where they are so barren that there are only 42,000 that remain. Jerusalem is in ruins, and it is desolate. But I want you to understand that 500 years later, after this instance, there were over 3 million Jews, 500 years later. So you can see how God is a God of multiplication. And when God's word comes forth, no devil in hell can stop it. And whatever God has spoken over you, the enemy will try to take it out, but he can't stop this. He can't curse what God has blessed. And the equipping church may have gone through some, some expanding and contracting. That's okay. Ebb and flow. For all I know, next Sunday there may be 12 of you here. I'm hoping not to run you off. Right? But also, for all I know, next Sunday this could be the smallest you'll ever see. All I know is this, you're pregnant with revival, and God has spoken a word over this house, 
and he has stuck within you the seed of revival and it is about to be birthed and you cannot look at everything around you, stay focused on what God has said and give birth to the thing that God has spoken. This is a word that my wife brought yesterday in prayer and I think they recorded it. So those of you that weren't here, you ought to get a hold of that. But in that setting, I want you to also know that this is also an allegory in, in uh, Isaiah 54 of the old and the new covenant. So when God gives a prophetic word, there is a present tense for that, and it usually comes with present circumstances, but the prophetic exceeds your current situation. And so this is also prophetic as an allegory of the Old Testament and the New, where God was after a nation, and now he's after the world. For God so loved the that he sent his only begotten Son. So when you move to the New Testament, God's focus is the whole world. In the Old Testament, it is a nation. He still loves that nation. He still loves Israel deeply. And we pray for Israel often. And there is great revival that's happening in Israel. People don't hear about it, but there is great revival. People that are of the Jewish faith are converting I mean, by the hundreds and, and literally by the thousands. It's happening right now. It's so exciting. But, but understand that in the beginning, it's a small thing, a nation. And then in the New Testament, he says, now I want the world. So you can see this parallel. But it is finally prophetic to the last day outpouring of his spirit. This is what Romans 8 talks about. When he says, the Apostle Paul says, the whole earth is groaning in travail to give birth and to bring forth the sons and daughters of God to make them made manifest. There are millions that are going to come into the kingdom in this last second of time it is the most exciting time in all of history to be alive if you're hungry for that move of God I've seen it I've experienced it I encountered a vision of it when I was 19 years old that the glory of the Lord was being poured out from Jesus' hands and it was coming down through the heavens and it was coming down and the glory that came out like a river from his hands enveloped the whole earth and thus the fulfillment of the prophecy that said the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And I saw the river and I not only saw it but I was invited to get into it in this vision. And I was 19 years old and I thought it was going to happen that day. I am now 59. I turned 59. Glory to Jesus. I'm not old. I'm refreshed. 
59 going on 30. Hopefully with a little more wisdom than I had at 30. A lot more gray hair. Hallelujah. At least I got some. That's okay. Hallelujah. I saw the river. I jumped into it. And it was so amazing in this vision because I was fearful to jump in. Because when I came to the river, it was such a deep bank that I could not bring myself. Fear gripped me because it was a big jump. And I looked down the river, and it was wider, and it was overtaking the banks, and I decided to walk a little further, and it would be easier. <laughs> this time I came to the river bank, and now instead of it being, you know, maybe from the top of this building down, now I was standing, as it were, on a huge cliff. And I looked down, and now I'm really scared. And I looked down again, and the third time it was overtaking the banks. And this time, I walked down the riverbank, and trees, if you've ever seen the big redwood trees, I had never seen them when I was 19 until I moved to California, and I saw the huge sequoias. We live about an hour away from what we call the big trees. And when I first saw them, I was overtaken, and I, was, I, I began to weep. Because it's what I saw in the vision. Trees that size. Trees so big, you, if it were hollowed out, and there are some, you could drive a car through it. You've seen those pictures. And trees started jumping up in front of me, and I could no longer find my way or see my way back to the river. Listen to me. I had to close my eyes and listen. I could no longer look at what I could see, but I had to hear. And I could smell the river and the freshness of the water, and it was so inviting. And I could hear the rapids roaring, and that roar took me back to the river. And I weaved in and out of the trees. The Lord later showed me those trees are men that will get in the place and in the way of the vision of revival. Wow. And if you get your eyes on man, you will miss what God is wanting to do. And if you look for an easier way, trust me, it never gets easier. It's time to dive into the river right now, no matter how hard it may feel. Get into the glory. Get into what God is doing. Get into the outpouring and say, I'm going to have my own revival until the revival comes. Right? When I finally jumped in, I looked down the river one more time and it was overtaking the banks and the voice of the Lord spoke to me. I had an angel standing next to me and said, if you walk away this time, you'll never return. You are past the point of no return. Either get in or don't get in. The invitation is there, but the time is now. And I'm here to tell you the time is now. The time is now. That was in... I don't know what year, I was 19, whatever that is. 40 years ago. My God, it's been longer than most of you have been alive. 
that this happened. Yeah, 1982. And uh, I got in. And when I got in, I wasn't going to share this this morning, but Holy Ghost downloading this. As I got in, you guys, I'm just telling you, the river was so sweet and warm and overwhelming, and the anointing of the river was like I was bathing in the anointing is all I can say. It was heavy. It was weighty, but it wasn't taking me under. It was peaceful. It was tranquil. It was so amazing. And I'm coasting down the river, and I'm looking up, and I'm yelling at the multitudes that are on the banks of the river, get in, get in. And a few would jump in. And the Lord showed me later, this is the first phase of your ministry. You'll have some results. But then suddenly... Somebody say suddenly. There was a shift in the water. And the current got stronger and more violent. That's why when you shared that yesterday, something leaped in my spirit. And, 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 and it got violent and it was like a rushing river. And the Bible says, out of your belly will flow a river of living water. Listen to me. That word river is a mighty Niagara. I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I got a guy in my church who just came back from there. I said, describe it. He said, there's no words. It's breathtaking. He said, it's, it's, it's one of the most beautiful places you'll ever see. And the water is just rushing off of that. I got to go there because <laughs> that's what I saw. That's what I was in was that kind of rushing Niagara. Now I'm in it. And suddenly not just did the river shift, but my voice shifted. And now when I spoke, it was like the voice of many waters and it just echoed. And now people by the thousands were diving into it. And the multitudes were coming in. And when they would dive in, they had fear. They had worry. They had demons. They were, they were halt and withered and lame. And they were, they were blind and they were deaf and all sorts of infirmities. And the moment they got in the river, they were completely healed, delivered. And now they were yelling out to the multitudes. And the echo of what was going on in the river became so overwhelming that they were coming in in even greater because it wasn't just my voice now it was the voice of those that had been converted and come into the glory come on i feel it right now hallelujah and immediately i was out of, i was back in uh coming out of that vision and back to my body and the lord began to tell me this is my outpouring and you're going to be a part of it. So you can see in 2020 when the enemy was trying to take me out, I'm not done. Because I haven't seen all that yet. I've seen glimpses of it. I've seen pieces of it. And what we experienced as a church over the last 26 years, off and on during periods, are tastes of it. But not the outpouring like I saw. But it's coming. It's coming. And I get to be a part of it. And guess what? I believe so do you. So do you. Amen. So with that in mind, here's what the Spirit of God says to you. 
equipping church. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. Intercessors, we talked about this yesterday. You who did not travail with child, for the spiritual children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Spare not, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you, say that's me, will spread out abroad and break forth to the right and to the left. Your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. My spirit leapt in, up out of me this morning when, um, uh, sister, oh, forgive me, your name, Susanna, thank you. Susanna, my wife, was up here and said we had the nations out on our lawn. Something leapt in my spirit and said, how could it be that a little church that you can't even find without GPS. Stuck away, tucked away in a neighborhood that nobody knows. A building that is not, it's, it's adequate, it's nice, it's comfortable. Y'all have done well with the building. But let's face it, when you drive down the main drag, you see some massive buildings. How could God pass right by those to come here and say, this is where the outpouring will be? The same way, listen to me, that our Lord was birthed in a manger and not in a hospital. Come on, somebody. The same way that Azusa Street was poured out in a little bitty house on Bonnie Bray Street that nobody knew about and they started praying and the next thing you know the power of Holy Ghost came and the people were coming from the north, the south, the east and the west and they were coming up onto the porch and the porch gave way and the police and the fire department came out and said what's going on you're disturbing the peace and they got saved and laid out into the power of God out on the lawn and then they had to move to 312 Azusa Street oh they were moving up to what was known as a feed store. So I moved out of a house to a feed store and God touched the nations from that feed store. Despise not the day of small beginnings, the word says. God will pass by the beautiful edifice. God will pass by the educated God will pass by the, the ones that are the main line and the popular and the well-known to get to a place that is hungry. If I can find a hungry heart, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over the whole earth and looking for somebody He can show up strong in their behalf. I say with you today, equipping church, look no further, Lord! You're looking for somebody 
that needs you to show up strong, look no further. Right here in this house. Now. 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 Oh. That was just a contraction. Not time yet, but it's coming. Whoo, I feel this in my gut. It's all the way through my bones. It's like fire. I'm trying to pace myself and yet not take too long. I'm going to let you out of here by noon-ish. Because I want you back tonight. I'm going to lay hands on every person in the building tonight that will let me. So even if you don't want me to, will you let me? If you will let me, I promise you, your life will never be the same. There's something about impartation. I'm on an assignment, y'all. And, and listen, I'm not the guy that's the big, ooh. Okay, I got to be on Sid Roth. That's really cool, right? That was a couple weeks ago. But what I had to pay the price to be able to do that, it's almost like, you know, I, 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 anyway, it's nothing. I'm just a messenger. Uh, it speaks of the great end time harvest, the verses that we've talked about. We who have been desolate are about to bring forth fruit and birth the multitudes into the kingdom. Here's what the Holy Spirit said. Listen to me. Listen to the Holy Ghost. I wrote it down. Tell the people that this territory has been barren for too long. Too long a spirit of poverty has ruled over your families. For too long this territory has been bound by the chains of addiction. For too long men have tried to drown their pain in a bottle of alcohol. And for too long our daughters have searched for the love, compassion, security of a true father but settled for the first guy that shows her a, a little attention. For too long this region has been dominated and bound by a religious spirit. He says you should be breaking out into shouting in verse 1. You should be breaking out into shouting and singing in celebration because, quote, this is the Spirit of the Lord. And uh, I know y'all may think he don't talk like this, but this is how I wrote it. This is what he said. I am fixing to turn your captivity to that which has been fruitless and sterile, dead and dry and barren is about to become fruitful, productive, alive, and well supplied. Hallelujah. He goes on and he tells me to tell you that which has been known for the greatest barrenness will now be known for the greatest fruitfulness. In fact, it will surpass all those who thought they had it all together. God describes revival to us in these verses. But there is a condition for this transformation from barrenness to fruitfulness. And this, I believe, this word is going to break the water in this house. 
Here's the principle that goes. It's faith. Everything in these verses requires faith. This was told, and they were told to act prior to any manifestation or indication of things to come. Remember that Elijah was told to go to Ahab and And he said, and when you do, I'll break the drought. So he goes to Ahab, and then he fights on Mount Carmel. My wife taught it yesterday. It was amazing. She does it a lot better than me. But he goes to Mount Carmel. He fights the idols of Baal, and he fights all the prophets of Baal, and they all die. They're all killed, and he only remains. And then he tells Ahab to go home and eat. And he goes up to the mountain, exhausted, gets in a fetal position, and starts to give birth to what God had said and the rain to come. It is a picture of giving birth to revival. Because the outpouring of the Spirit is the outpouring of rain in these latter days. It's the early rain and the latter rain together. And he had to travail. And during that time of travail, he sent his servant and he said, Go out and look and see if you see a cloud. And seven times, or six times, he came back and said, I don't see nothing. Clear blue sky guys he said i'm travailing a little bit more now wait a minute god said you're going to you're pregnant with this you go see ahab and i will do it had he already seen ahab yes had god done it yet no not in the natural but it was done in the spirit but Listen to me, Elijah had to give birth and push out what God promised in the Spirit. And I'm telling you today, you've got to be ready to push. Church, it is time for us to get in that birthing position in travail and push what we are pregnant with. Revival is here, but we must push. And he had to push seven times. But on the seventh time, the servant goes out and he says, I saw a cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. Little poof. (laughs) Poof. A man's hand. There it is. Just poof. Way up there. It's, It's a little bitty. It's the size of my hand. Way up there. Everything else is blue skies. But Elijah said, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And he runs and he tells Ahab, you better get ready. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I only see a man's hand for a cloud, but that's the indicator I've been waiting for. And baby, did it rain. Oh, let it rain, Lord. Let it rain. We used to sing that song. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the windows of heaven. Let it rain, God. So he tells about it. And he says, here's what you got to do. You got to give birth to it. And this is what you do. Verse 2. Number 1, very quickly, I'm going to give these in about two minutes apiece. There are five of them. We'll see how I fare. 
Number one, he says, enlarge the place of your tent. The word enlarge means this, to broaden, grow wide, make large, make room, make room, make room, make room, open wide. The place of is the spot, the station, the post, the standing place, the city, the land, the region, and it also is a mindset. The place of your tent. In other words, your tent are your covering, your dwelling place, your home, your tabernacle, your tent is how it's translated. So when God is speaking this, here's what the word of the Lord is to you today. You've got to enlarge your mindset. You've got to expand your mindset because your thinking is too small. What God is about to do is not a goose bump up your spine. It's not to heal three or four people. What God is about to do exceeds your wildest dreams where people will be driving by and start shaking under the power of God and walk into this place supernaturally. What God is about to do is so overwhelming that people will be, the back doors will be open and people will be standing outside and I see you having to put video outside for them to be able to see what's going on in here and put some kind of a tent shelter over it and expand because this ain't going to hold them. It's just not. I can say that because the place we were in was too small and the prophet came and said, the place you're in is too small for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And supernaturally, by the way, your next place will come into existence. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't sweat it. You'll know it when you see it. And the money for it will show up supernaturally. You just stay focused on the move of God. Because I know what he feels, because I've been there and done that, haven't I, Shelley? God birthed us into a place, and it took a decade. We now have the largest church in the whole city, and we were in a church about this size. Hallelujah. Difference was, our signs were falling down, the eaves were falling down. I mean, it was, it was in rough shape. We had a sign up front. Remember this, Shelley? Welcome Holy Spirit. And everybody got mad at me. All the religious people got mad at me when I took the sign down. And I said, if the Holy Spirit needs a sign to tell him he's welcome, you got the wrong idea. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's drawn to your heart, not a sign. He doesn't need GPS, you know, or whatever. Read the sign, sign, sign everywhere, sign. Anyway, hallelujah. God is good, right? So enlarge. Listen to me. You are not going, and you've got to get your mind around this. You are not going to cover this region. Enlarge the place of your covering. You are not going to cover this region from this building. What do you mean? You got to start seeing everyone as ministers, not just the pastors. 
You are all ministers. You are all carriers of the glory of God. You carry it everywhere you go. It doesn't say that pastors will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It says, these signs shall follow those that believe. Believe. These young men right here are going to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. This little boy right here is going to preach the gospel and hundreds will come into the kingdom. This little guy, he's got a gift on his life for business. He's taking care of business right now. And just like he's playing with the leg of this chair, he's going he's gonna to be in business that is going to be a building business. Hallelujah. I see that over him. So mama, hang on to that word. Who's mama? Yeah, grandma. Okay, well, grandma, it doesn't matter what everything else looks like. You got a little builder right there. He's going to be a builder of the kingdom. A builder of the kingdom. We're all ministers. And listen to me. It doesn't happen at church. You look at the book of Acts and it happened in the streets on the way to church. Out in the highways, Jesus said, go to the highways, tear down the hedges, and compel them to come in. He said, I'm sending you out, the 70. I didn't send you church to church. I sent you out into the region. I sent you to the homes. If they receive you, bless that home. If they don't, give them the dust off method. God bless you and go. And know the blessing is coming back on you. Hallelujah. How do you think Jesus came into a region and multitudes showed up? Magic. Facebook. Advertising. Now, let me tell you what he did. He sent the 70 ahead of him. And they went into the region. And they told of the exploits of Jesus and what had happened and what Jesus is doing. It's time that we be those 70 and be ministers of the gospel everywhere we go and tell off on what Jesus is doing. Not Pastor Jacob, not the equipping church. What's Jesus doing? And the same Jesus that did it for me will do it for you. And we go out there as ministers. Are you getting this picture? How does revival happen? Ministers. Everyone here becomes a minister. Hallelujah. Everywhere we go. What's that look like? Find a need and meet it. Fill the need around you. Let this church come together to fill that need, to take care of that person. Maybe it's one of your neighbors. Maybe it's the barista at Starbucks. God knows some of them need prayer. Hallelujah. But wherever you go, you're a minister. And you need to remember that wherever you go, that's your congregation. Your hairdresser, your barber, your nail technician, ladies. Doesn't matter who it is. Your butcher. There are not very many of those around anymore. Plumber. Whoever it is, your neighbor, your co-worker, that's your congregation. 
So listen to me. You go out as ministers everywhere you go, you find needs, you meet them. And you got to start seeing your jobs, your schools, your neighborhoods, your marketplace as the field of harvest. Real ministry happens out there Monday through Saturday. Sunday morning is only an overflow and a celebration of what God has been doing all week long. Number two, stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. To stretch means this, spread out, broaden. Everybody just stretch your arms right now. Come on, stretch them. Don't hit the person next to you. Stretch them up. Move your back around. Stretch, stretch, stretch. Come on, really stretch. Hallelujah. He says, I'm about to stretch you. God says revival will stretch you. It will stretch you beyond your wildest dreams. You're going to hear tonight, it didn't show up at LWF, Living Word Fellowship, the way I thought it would look. As a matter of fact, it got messy. It got crazy. Hallelujah. And to this control freak, it was difficult when I'm preaching and people start laughing in the middle of the sermon. Just breaking out in joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> people get drunk in the Holy Ghost and fall out, and out of their seat and everybody's looking there. That's distracting. Until it's not. And I just got to tell you that you all have to get past and start stretching out of your comfort zone. Stretch forth the curtains. The curtain is the covering. It's the actual canvas that covering, uh, the uh, canvas covering that is used. In other words, it's the ceiling. Stretch forth the ceiling. I've got a t-shirt that I wore the other day that says, wreck the roof. Too many ceilings over you. You have allowed the enemy to build your capacity based on the ceiling and you say, God couldn't possibly do more than this. And you put your own ceilings there. Remember when he spoke to Abraham? What did he say? Come out of your tent. Why? There's a ceiling. You can't see what I want to do because it's beyond the ceiling that you've put over you. Get out of your tent. Get out of your comfort zone and come outside and look. That's how big I think. And God is saying, I want to wreck the roof over your life. I want you to stretch that ceiling. Enlarge the tent. Stretch what you cover. Your thinking and belief is too small, church. This is a picture of the equipping church stretching and spreading out beyond these boundaries to accommodate new people. In other words, revival is about to stretch you. When a woman gives birth, her, her whole body is stretched. When we men look at that, we just want to shake our head and go, I'm glad it's you and not me, baby. Come on. And we men, we whine over a little bit of pain. 
Our daughter-in-law, my wife shared this yesterday, not trying to re-preach your message, baby, but our daughter-in-law was about two weeks from giving birth, and she called Tammy. She said, Mama Tam, I hurt so bad, and she was almost in tears. I hurt so bad, my bones are hurting. Tam said, down around your pelvic area and all around your hips and all that, and she said, yes, and Tammy started laughing, and she said, that's normal, baby, you're getting close. You're, you ought to rejoice. You ought to be excited. I know it hurts, but your body's got to get ready to give birth, and give, giving birth means God's got to stretch you, church. God's got to stretch you. You're going to be stretched. When you start seeing some of the manifestations and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it might stretch you in your mind to your outer limits where you used to sit in judgment. Well, that's not necessary. Can I just tell you, if that's running through your head, you got a religious spirit you need to get rid of. I had one. I was the pastor. And I was, I had come from Tulsa. I'd seen every fruit, nut, and flake in the whole world. <laughs> then I go to California, the land of fruit, nuts, and flakes. And I thought, my God, I'm right at home. <laughs> and then it started happening. And I couldn't do anything about it. So I decided to get in the river. And enjoy it myself, right? I'm not talking about weird. It may feel a little weird because you've not gone this way before. You've not seen this before. What you're about to see is going to blow your mind. And you've got to get ready to be stretched. You've got to be ready to be stretched. I love the multi-ethnic group that I see here today. Ethnicity is is so there's such diversity in this house and and i gotta tell you get ready for a lot more because if the nations are coming from texas a&m they're going to come in with every crazy cultural background you can imagine and every demonic influence that you can imagine from their culture every culture has demonic strongholds that are over that culture and they're going to come in and you got to love them right where they are this was evident in the movement the jesus movement of the 60s there's a movie about to come out about it again uh, i encourage you to go see it because i i've studied this move and it was so amazing and it's so ironic to me that chuck smith who was a pastor in california started inviting the hippies to come in. Come on. <laughs> Dope, man. Wow. Like psychedelic. Right? Love, peace. <laughs> cool. And they come in and they got bell bottoms and they're barefooted and the girls are not dressed well. And the religious in the church came to him and they said, these people are barefooted. You know what he did? He said, we're going to have a foot washing service. Yeah. 
Shabba baba ketete. This man broke out from the norm. He said, we don't have a place to put him. Let's go down. We got an ocean. Let's baptize him there. And of course, the hippies are going, wow, far out. This is cool. And then they start getting up to lead in worship, and they're no longer in the hymnal. Now they're, Jesus, man, it's so cool. And some of them didn't want to sit on a seat. They sit in, you know, I know it's not politically correct, but Indian style, they got their, they got their feet crossed, and they're sitting there, and they're like, wow, far out, right? And people are freaking out. I don't know what this final move looks like, but I know this. It's not going to be every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. <laughs> Dearly beloved, we are gathered here for the funeral of the church. It's going to look a lot different. It might get a little bit crazy. Anybody here ever moved? If I come to your house when you're moving, does it look like you're ready for guests? If anybody shows up at your house, you know what you say to them? Don't sit on that couch. Pick it up and carry it out. We might order some pizza. Eat as you work. Because when you come to my house and I'm moving, I expect you to put your back into it. Right? I didn't invite you over for a barbecue. Are you kidding me? I'm moving. Can I just tell you? You're moving. You're moving. Church, you are moving. You are moving. And there are some of y'all been sitting on your blessed assurance long enough. It's time to get up and put your hand to the plow and get to work for the kingdom. I don't feel like that's my calling. Read my lips. I don't care. Serve. 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 Put your hand to the plow and quit with this nonsense, this religious nonsense of it's not my calling. Yes, it is. Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. My God, I can say this. I'm visiting and I leave tomorrow. <laughs> Do you want revival? Yeah. Are you pregnant with the destiny of God? then let God stretch you and do something you've never done before. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be inconvenient. But it is necessary to put you into the position to handle the baby that is coming. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. You're not normal. Hallelujah. I'm not either. You're not normal, church. You are crazy. You are abnormal. I had a pastor in town that when I first got there, he said I wouldn't pastor that bunch of misfits. And I got excited. I went back and I told the church. Another pastor called us misfits. 
all my college students came in the next Sunday with t-shirts they had made up, Misfits for Jesus, wore them all over town. You're not normal. But can I just tell you, God doesn't show up in normal. You are called higher. You are called, listen to me, to steward something that very few churches ever see. I shared with the leadership, are you willing to come out from among the 12 to be one of the three that you may see the one? Jesus called them to the mountain of transfiguration. But he went to all his disciples and he said, one, two, three, follow me. The rest had to be left behind even though they were still disciples. Our goal should not be, how little can I do and get this baby to be birthed? It should be, I'm going with reckless abandonment for what God has for me. Because, baby, when you go to the hospital to give birth, you need to have it in your mind, I'm not coming home alone. I'm coming home with a baby in my arms. And I'm not leaving until it happens. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? That's the mindset that the early church had. Thank you, Holy Ghost. When they came into the upper room, the Bible says they came in and the Greek says indefinitely. How long will you be staying in the room? Indefinitely. Until, until, until. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how long I'm going to have to supplicate and be in prayer and wait. But I am not leaving here until the fulfillment of what Jesus promised. Glory to God. That's the mindset. Come on, somebody. You believe that? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Oh, my God, I got to quit. I'll just hit these literally 30 seconds. That's all you get. Sorry. Spare not. Spare not. Don't hold back. Seize the day. This is the word of the Lord to you. Don't restrain or refrain or refuse or withhold or hold back or keep for yourself or hinder or reserve. Don't hold back. Seize the day. He says, don't hold back in your giving, your serving, your prayer, your love, on and on and on. Don't hold back. Yeah. How much do I forgive? 70 times 7. How much do I love? 70 times 7. I just got to tell you, the enemy will try to take you out of what God is about to do. And he's going to try to do it because you're going to get offended with something this man says. I didn't like the way he looked at me or didn't look at me. He walked right past me and did not shake my hand. You pitiful little thing, you. You got to get out of that nonsense mindset that church is about you. And if the preacher don't treat you with delicate hands and eggshells to walk around your dysfunction... Well, I'll just pick up my marbles and go somewhere else. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love you, but I may have to love you from a distance. I've had to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. It was not my intent. 
But you have a choice now. And that choice is offense and the door. And take your offense and you'll be somewhere else. Still offended, by the way. Because offense follows you wherever you go. Is this okay? Okay, good. Right? Offense follow. He's going, yeah, preach that right now, right? <laughs> I know because I am him. I love to have. I hire guns to come in and take care of Jezebels and things like that so I don't have to in my church. So, so, so I'm just telling you, get over your bad self, right? And get in the flow and forgive. Oh, Jesus said we got to forgive. That might include our pastor. And that might include the flock. Seriously. And that might include the person sitting next to you today. I have a woman that I talked to the other day, and she said, I said, you haven't been to church in two years. What's wrong? She said, I had a conflict with another person in the body. I said, who was it? I don't want to say. I said, so let me get this straight. This big old church. You had conflict with one person in the body. You could have sat over here. You could sit back there. And you ain't been to, have you been somewhere to, no. So you're going to let a little conflict with a brother or a sister rob you of everything God's done in the last two years at Living Word Fellowship. Are you kidding me? The enemy is cunning and and conniving and he will do anything he can to sow strife and discord and offense to cause you to leave and miss out. And God says, spare not. Spare not means forgiveness. Don't spare in your forgiveness. Don't spare in walking in love. Don't spare in serving. Don't spare in, in giving. Spare not. Go for it. I want, God says, I want total commitment. I want a church consumed with a passion for revival in souls. Who's willing to launch out into the deep and get in over their heads to be spent for the cause of Christ? That's what it takes. Four, lengthen your cords. That means your prayer is going to spread out. Lengthen your cords. And number five, strengthen your stakes. You've got to be resolute and firm and secure and drive it deep and say, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. The wind is going to come, and I've driven my stakes so I don't blow away. When... We, and, and I close with this, if I could uh, maybe have somebody come and uh, play just for a second. I'm so sorry. She's writing notes back there. It's so good. Listen. In 2020, we had to go out and buy a tent because our beloved governor said it's illegal to meet. I said, the devil is a liar. We're going to meet. So, I, so we spent $25,000 and bought a tent. Hallelujah. And then we spent another $30,000 in all of the outside stuff that was necessary. Porta potties, everything you could imagine that you've got to think of to have an outdoor service. <laughs> Heaters, because it was in the winter. And it does get a little chilly. Not like here, but 
a little chilly in California and rainy. So we bought a tent. We are now, we haven't had rain in Dinuba since April. That's every summer, though. And April was a little shower. It kind of got you wet long enough for everything to get water spotted from the dust. It's October. Last week was the end of October. And before I left town, I went to my maintenance guy and I said, the winds are coming. You need to check the cords and strengthen the stakes of the tent. And I said, what's wrong with this cord? He said, it came detached from the tent. It broke. Now, we have dozens of them around the tent. It's a huge, huge revival tent. And uh, he said, well, it's tied down. And I looked at him and I said, with all the love in my heart, Ed, it's not secure if the wind comes. You got to tighten the cords because when the wind comes, I don't want my $25,000 investment to end up on Best Buy's lawn out there. Hallelujah. And check the stakes. Well, they're driven in the ground. Check them anyway. What if they pop out and one of them comes up from these terrible winds and rips the tent? Now that's a leader talking to someone that is a follower, right? But I'm trying to get your mind around this, why the Holy Ghost says, lengthen your cords, tighten it up, strengthen your stakes, make sure you're tied down, because this is going to get, there might be a storm coming, because the enemy does not like revival. He does not like it, and he will unleash against it. We love the river, but let me tell you, it can get violent outside of these walls. You just make sure it doesn't happen in the walls. Strife, discord, gone. We walk in unity, one mind, one accord, one purpose, and we're not leaving till we see revival. I'm giving birth. Did you get anything out of this today? Hallelujah. I'm going to give it back to Pastor Jacob. I'm only five minutes over. That's okay. He told me I could go to 1230, but I didn't. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.